This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Hello church. It's a massive, massive privilege to be able to address you in this day. Um, this past week, we had the privilege of gathering in our big groups. We had our first several big group gatherings, but we are really missing um, seeing everybody's faces and being together. But it's an awesome time to be the church and not go to church in this time. And today's message is very much in line with our, our theme for the year as a congregation, which is to make and to become obedient disciples rooted in Christ. Um, so we'll be speaking about specifically the subject of why the righteous resist. So why do the righteous resist? And we'll be looking in the book of Daniel, chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there or you can also follow on the screen. And just before we get into the scripture, you know, resisting and resistance is not often something we associate with righteousness. I know for me, personally speaking, I don't associate righteousness immediately with resisting. But as we read through scripture and we, s- we see different examples in scripture, it becomes more and more clear that righteousness, if we are truly to be righteous, there is a fight involved. There is a resistance involved in contending for this righteousness and contending for God's word. And ultimately, it comes down to contending to be obedient to God's commands. So Daniel chapter 1, and we are going to read from verse 1 to it says the following in the third year of the reign of Joachim king of Judah Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it and the Lord gave Joachim king of Judah into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God then the king instructed Ashpenaz the master of the eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So what is going on here is the children of Israel, the Lord's people, were taken into exile. They were exiled. And they were made to be subject to a foreign government. So they were in a sense, or not in a sense, they were definitely exiles under this foreign government. And this is the context of, of, this, of this passage. And it continues and says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hanania, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Anania, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So we see in this context of exile and a foreign king having taken over Judah and taken people captive, they chose certain men, they selected certain men from among the people of Judah 
so that they can be um, closer to the king to learn the doctrine, the literature, the language of the Chaldeans. Now Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were part of these elite who were chosen. So what is going on here is these elite were in a sense pampered compared to their fellow, to their fellow Israelites, to the fellow people of God because people were suffering, they were under colonial rule in a sense. But Daniel and his friends, among others, were living a good life. They were living pampered. They had the opportunity to eat from the king, king's table, almost literally. But in verse 8, Daniel says the following. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. And how do we resist in being righteous? How is it possible for the righteous to, 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 to resist? And how, how, how is it done practically? And that's one, one of the things that we see from this passage is that Daniel purposed in his heart to not defile himself. And the first thing is to say no. And personally, I struggle a lot to say no. It's not easy to say no. Um, for many people, it's very difficult to say no, especially if you have to um, say no to someone. And that's exactly what Daniel did here. As much as he said no to things, he also said no to people. And similarly for us, if we want to have clean hands, if we want to have pure hearts, we have to say no to things as well as to people. And you know, sometimes it's easier to say no to things. It's easier to say, okay, I'm going to stop doing this if it was what only affected you. As a lot of us have come to the Lord and accepted the Lord, there are certain things that you did before knowing Jesus that you don't do anymore. But our our convictions and what we've purposed in our heart to not do is tested when we have to say no to people. So what you actually believe is what you are willing to stand in front of people and say, no, I'm not going to do this. And that's exactly what we, what we see in Daniel as well. I remember um, growing up, I remember in high school, binge watching, for example, movies and series and being up all night. And in that moment, I was saved, I knew the Lord, but I was still being sanctified, as I still am till today. But the Lord convicted me, and I, st I had to stop watching it. So it was, I had to say no to the thing, but then I also had to say no to the people that I was watching it with. Friends, family, I had to say, no, I can't do this anymore. On the conviction that we cannot make sin our entertainment. And for 12 hours to be up every weekend watching through the night, I had to say no, and it cost me something. It cost me something. And perhaps there's something that you need to say no to today. Perhaps there's something, some people that you have to say no to today. Bring that before the Lord. And so that's the first thing, saying no. Secondly, is confrontation. And it's very much linked to it. And in order to, to be righteous, there, there's a very real confronting which has to take place. And often we run away from conflict. We don't like conflict. But if we really believe in, in, in the Lord's word and if we are really to be obedient disciples, there will be confrontation. And let us read from Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. Again, you can follow on your, on your Bibles or read on the screen. Because it's important for us to, to understand these things and to speak about these things. 
And we read in verse 11 to verse 14. It says the following. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? So what's going on here is Paul, the Apostle Paul, is confronting Peter. Now, if I was Paul at that stage, after having come to repentance, you know, on the Damascus Road, I would have been afraid to confront Peter because Peter is a leader in the church. He was with Jesus throughout his ministry, throughout the three years of his ministry on earth. And who am I to actually confront him about this? But just take note of what was at stake. What was at stake was the truth of the gospel, the straightforwardness of the gospel. And many times in our own lives, the Lord places us in situations where we are faced with this, where the truth of the gospel is at stake, where the truth of the gospel is, 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 is threatened. And we, have to, we, we can choose to either be silent, and you know it's so much easier to be silent. And often we equate being righteousness, being righteous to being silent. We equate being righteous to keeping quiet. But a, a man once said that for evil to prevail, it does not take much. It just takes good men to do nothing. It just takes good women to do nothing, to keep silent. And very often we think righteousness, that's, that's, that's what it means. And definitely there's a time to be quiet, but there's also a time, there's a time to speak. And I remember growing up, um, having a lot of hatred in my heart, having things in my heart that I hadn't confronted, that I hadn't addressed. And I remember, I'm originally from Namibia, and I remember growing up as a child, just having such a hatred towards white people specifically. And because of apartheid, because of the genocide that happened in Namibia, perpetrated by the, the German colonialists, I, I had so much, so much hatred, and I never addressed it. I never confronted it in myself and I never allowed the Lord to confront it even after coming to salvation in 2009 as a believer going to church but still having this in my heart but there are things in our hearts that the Lord wants to confront and the things that we have to confront ourselves if we are truly to be righteous so I, I, I just want to, 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 to encourage us in this day to, to, to check the condition of our hearts. What do we need to confront? Maybe there are certain ideas, certain thoughts um, that, that we need to confront in our hearts. Maybe there are certain, certain, certain people around us because often we tolerate sin and expect us, our, our houses and our homes to be righteous. But so often we tolerate it in our own houses. We tolerate racism. We tolerate jokes among fa friends and family which break down other races or break down people or they don't exemplify God. And we think, ah, oh, it's not that serious, man. It's not like, you know, we are, we are racist. But that was, that's the subtle conditioning which happens. And if we are truly to be obedient to the word of God, knowing that God has made every man, woman and child in his image, 
and knowing that racism is from the pit of hell and it's a sin, it's not an opinion, it's not an idea, then we have to speak up in those moments. And it's going to be awkward at the family bry. If someone makes a joke and you say, nah, 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 that's not, we don't talk like that in the kingdom. And you stand up and you say, that person is made in the image of God. And it can be for anything. It can be for racism, sexism. It can be swearing or breaking down, insulting, showing hatred. But we need to speak up if we are to be righteous. And that's what happened here. Paul addressed Peter and says, Peter, you're being a hypocrite. Because you say one thing, but then when the Jews are here, you do a completely different thing. So there wasn't a lining up between words and actions. And many times... That's what we fall into. Our words and actions do not line up. But in all this, what, what, what is the driving force? What, what drives us to, towards confronting? What should drive us towards saying no? Whether it's to things that make us impure or to injustice. What, what should drive us? And, and I'd like to, us to read our, our last scripture in 1 John and chapter 3 verse 16 because I struggled with this for a long time because after coming to salvation after encountering Jesus and after forgiving in my heart I remember in grade 10 the Lord asking me specifically if I've forgiven you of so much Vilio, why will you not forgive white people um, for, for all of history if I've forgiven you of so much and that day I decided to forgive but the process didn't end there the journey didn't end there there was a daily, a daily thing of surrendering my heart to the Lord, which had to continue. And eventually the Lord asked me, it's not enough just to forgive. You have to love. But I didn't know this love. I didn't know a love that can, that can resist injustice, but at the same time be loving. I didn't know a love that can say no, but at the same time be confrontational. I didn't know it. And then I, then I considered Jesus. And I considered the gospel. I considered what Jesus did. And let us do that today as we read this scripture. In 1 John 3.16 it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So in this we know love. That Jesus laid down his life for us. Being on a cross. Laying down his life for the people who put him on that cross that's just mind-blowing and a friend of mine pastor james wrote a song called this this is holy love the song's name is holy love and that's that's what drives us to to saying no and to confronting injustice it's not anger it's not pain but it's this holy love of god that says if i truly love there'll be real consequences of that love in society, in my family, in my friend group. And my story is that it was because of this love, the love of God, which I saw through scripture, but also through the body of Christ. I remember growing up, there was always a church around our house and we never went to that church because we thought, ah, you know what? There's a lot of white people there and we're going to be mistreated because when our, when, when our father was 15, he went to fight the liberation struggle in Namibia against the apartheid government in northern Namibia. So growing up, most men in my family were in the war and they fought the war. So we grew up hearing war stories and hearing everything 
that happened in apartheid. So it was, we had a first account, first witness, hand witness, who was sharing all these things with us and not encouraging us to be hateful or to have hatred in our hearts. But it just so easily, easily happened that way because of history. And going to church, eventually, this church around my corner, my sister dragged me to the church. I didn't want to go. And just seeing the lives of the believers. And it was a predominantly white church. And just seeing the love of God and seeing another reality for the first time in my life, seeing people who love, seeing people who look beyond skin color. And I was, I was, I was surprised, I was shocked, but I saw that these people are living in another reality. And that is how the Lord began to set me free. And I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. And I really believe that that is the answer, the body of Christ. We have to be another reality. We have to show another kingdom. And that's why we can't tol tolerate sin among us. That's why we need to confront it. However subtle it might be, we need to confront it because we are under a different kingdom and we are under a different government. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, we see this happening. How Jesus would confront the authorities and how he'd confront the religious idols which existed at the time, but at the same time, died for those same people that he confronted. And that's the amazing, amazing grace of God that at the Father's table, there's a place for the oppressor as well as for the oppressed. So maybe there are conversations we have to have. We have to ask ourselves honest things and it, the church should be a safe space where we can bring these questions and wrestle through it together and pray through it together and say, okay, I don't understand, but I'm going to listen. Um, I've never experienced what you're experiencing, but your man, I know God loves you and his heart completely breaks for that, for you. And this past week, I've been sharing my testimony because not so long ago in America, a tragic thing happened as a, as a man was, was killed as an act of police brutality racially fueled in a violent abusive way and it's brought up many questions among us among our own past among the present because it's still continuing things are still going on in the world the world is still fallen racism is still alive people are still suffering and being oppressed but the tomb is empty hallelujah jesus is alive and that's why we have to confront it that's why we have to speak about it that's why we shouldn't be shy to share our stories. And in this past week, as I've been sharing my story, and I was just so taken aback by friends close to me, um, young and old, who have just messaged me and said, Yo, Vilio, I had no idea that this was your experience. And on behalf of my race, on behalf of my people, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything that's happened to you. I'm sorry for what was done to you. Even though they knew that it wasn't them, they weren't there, they didn't do it. But God's love, in that moment, I, I saw God's love. I saw the goodness of God in a believer, in a white believer, white friends, who are my closest friends, some of my closest friends. In old men, young men, just saying, I'm, I'm sorry. And maybe that's what the Lord is calling us to do. To listen, to stand in the gap and to petition. 
Because sometimes you feel powerless and you're like, what can I do? What, what can I say? I might say something wrong. I might offend someone. But we will offend people. That is the gospel. People will be offended. Not because we say we are Christian, but because we live like Christ. People will be offended. Because everybody says they're Christian. But the moment we begin to live and to walk like Christ, then the offense will come and the persecution will come. So maybe you're listening and this broadcast will end in a few minutes, but maybe you know in your heart, your, there are a lot of things that I still need to confront. There are things in my heart that, that I need to address. There are things in my heart that I'm, I'm, still, I'm still struggling with. And I don't want to say it out loud because it's kind of like a taboo, but I want to encourage you to, to, to say it out loud, to come before the Lord in prayer. When this broadcast ends, if you are in a, in a household, as a family, as, as maybe you are alone, to just take time and to pray through it and to discuss it. And secondly, maybe, maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you're carrying a lot of hurt and you've never known this holy love. And it just blows your mind. And it blows my mind every single day. But God is inviting you. He's inviting you to his table today. He's saying, come. There is no other way. There's no reason um, to hide anymore. There's no reason to run anymore. The Lord has made provision. And that is the good news that our sin, though it separated us from God, God in his love sent his son to die for us. That if we believe in him, we won't perish, but we'll have everlasting life. Maybe you don't know that holy love. I'd just like to lead you in a prayer. And please pray after me. Um, because it's when I met that holy love, when I encountered God's holy love, that he began to change my life. And he's continually doing it. And I can say today I'm, I'm so free in my heart from any hatred, hatred towards myself for the color of my skin or for because of where I'm from and hatred towards other people for the color of their skins. God has set me completely free. So if you'd like to Accept the Lord today. It's going to be tough. The road is narrow, but it's not lonely. And the Lord will be with you. Won't you pray this prayer after me? Father God, I exalt you in this day. And I come to you knowing that I'm a sinner and my sin has separated me from you. I pray on this day, Lord, change my heart. I accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I say, Lord Jesus, come be Lord of my life. I repent from my sin and I make a decision today, Lord, to walk with you and to follow you all the days of my life. Lead me, Lord. May it be no longer I who live but you who live in me. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, the word says that confess with your mouth, believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. If you've prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, maybe it's been a recommitment, there's a link in the description. Won't you fill it in? The road is narrow, but it's not meant to be lonely. We want to walk with you. We want a journey together to pray together as believers, sons and daughters in God's, in God's household.
So may the Lord bless you. And I want to encourage you to continually be obedient to His voice. And there will be persecution. But the righteous resist because of God's holy love. Bless you, family. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.